This is the Cyber Union Podcast, episode 86, Mayday, Programming Sucks and Strikes in China. Which for you is comp... Whoops. <laughs> Mayday, International Workers' Day, and we have a song for you. Avanti popolo, la rescossa, bandera rossa, bandera rossa. Avanti popolo, la rescossa, bandera rossa, trianfera. Which for you... Hello and welcome to Cyber Unions. I'm Walton in Glasgow, Scotland. And <laughs> I'm with me. And I'm Stephen in Mexico. Having up all sorts of strange sounds. <laughs> having yes. fucking problems with sounds. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, I, I couldn't stop it quick enough. So we got some of the se- uh, segues later in the show coming in before we got to the show. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, I'm in Mexico City again. I, I uh, had recorded a show without you, Walton. I'm sorry. Um, you mm. just weren't good enough for it. <laughs> uh, but uh, I was going to say that I am back in Mexico in that show, but uh, didn't even get didn't really even get to that, I don't think. Um, but before I was in Chicago, which now feels like a freaking month. Actually, it was a month ago, wasn't it? Almost a month, a month ago. Um, but, uh, yeah. But you had a good time. I did. I did. Labor Notes was a phenomenal trip, uh, a great experience, and I encourage anybody wanting to be involved in the labor movement, allies to the labor movement, or whatever, to go to the next one that happens. And also to try to organize local mm. troublemaker schools because they, they're they really good networking, um, but really also good reunions and really good perspectives. Uh, there's some really awesome talks that I mm-hmm. got the chance to be a part of or to listen in on and, and – um, meet with some really awesome folks, including the one, that's why how we did the interview for the UAW VW workers with Chad New York for workers mm. is one of the, one of the persons. I okay. There. Um, you should go next time. <laughs> Get you over there. Yeah. Well, I also, um, I also had some interesting travel recently. I went to Geneva in Switzerland to, um, to meet the IUF. That's the global union of food workers. It's the global union federation for all workers in kind of, uh, food production and also kind of hotels and restaurants and bars and so on um and it was pretty cool partly because i left scotland and it was six degrees and i arrived in geneva and it was 21 and the sun was shining and <laughs> swam in the lake and all that kind of stuff but nice obviously, you know it wasn't all about that so we also did some really really interesting work with the iuf who are really really cool group of uh, people trying to organize um workers globally and get get workers connected to each other and working on global campaigns. So yeah, really good, really productive meeting with, with the IUF. Oh, that sounds great. That that uh, sounds like a nice trip. Although I, I would actually welcome the six degrees here. It's just always been like 23. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I just don't understand. They just don't believe in cold weather in this country. Um, <laughs> yeah, so six degrees. I, I mean, that's what I loved about Chicago. When I got there, it was like freezing cold. I'm like, oh my mm. God, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> and also a vegan heaven because there's a vegan Chicago diner, which was really good. But um, <laughs> I, I'm not going to try to reminisce about that too much. Uh, but uh, that sounds that sounds like a good trip. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to coming to Scotland myself and hopefully having cold weather in July. 
Um, mm, well, I hope that we managed to disappoint you in that. Well, you you know, you, you kept telling me last year that it's always bad weather, always bad weather. And I get there and it's sunny and warm and I don't understand it. I was hanging out in the shade and you're out in the sun. Yeah, we get two weeks a year and you managed to get it. <laughs> All right. Um, maybe I'll be lucky right. again. <laughs> well, that's, that, your, your trip sounds good. I, after getting back here to Mexico City, I've, uh, I've been actually trying to get a couple of the working groups within May 1st go, going. And because we're doing this whole new structure over the last two years of having working groups and i'm on the membership working group and we're trying to put together um these things called people talks uh or people links sorry mm -hmm. i'm messing it up uh people links which is talking about some of the some of the members within our may first community talking about movements that they're working on but also trying to bring up uh discussions about some of the tools that we already have within may first that people are making use of um sorry about that whistle sound that was just my alarm telling me there's a meeting that i'm not supposed to be in uh and <laughs> uh so it's been it's been a challenge because you know we're going from an organization that you basically had two directors and a leadership committee to trying to get these work membership member run working groups to really take in a lot of the power and the and running the organization um so mm -hmm. we've been putting together cbcrm which is cool uh and trying to connect members as well so as that stuff progresses i'm going to probably talk, talk a little bit more about it on here just in updates because it's not really tech and it's not really labor it's kind of both but not really specific to both okay so mm -hmm. but uh yeah so i don't is there any other wonderful updates that you have on your end uh no i think let's just uh, move on to some tech discussion sounds good which for you is computers God damn it, I can't get these keys yeah, going right. Um, <laughs> I guess the thing we need to speak about is, is Heartbleed and how it happens and what it means. And, um, you know, I think you can talk a little bit about the, the technical stuff behind it. But, um, you know, one of the things which non-programmers say is like, you know, think is that how can something like this happen? How can such a catastrophic error ha happen and what on earth is going on? And... I read a really, really good article today. It's kind of a humorous article on a website called Still Drinking. Uh -huh. um, and it's called Programming Sucks. And basically, it's a rant, but an insight into the world of programming. Ooh. And it gives an idea of why things like this happen. Huh. And in fact, basically just points out what um, what an awful cobbled together mess most software, software is. <laughs> and particularly the internet. And I think, I mean, I'm... I'm not a programmer and you're not really a programmer but uh, you know i'm sure just the kind of tech stuff we're, we're we do we're, we're conscious of all the time you know things breaking and you you need to figure out why they're broken and you know all sorts of really frustrating unforeseen compatibility error, uh, errors arising even a simple thing like doing a wordpress upgrade and finding it for plugins don't work anymore and mm -hmm. you know it's all all sorts of things like this anyway good article well worth reading and basically the writer starts out saying that his friends who do manual labor say oh you're lucky you get to sit at a desk at this cushy job um you know i have to work forty-seven thousand hours a week digging a tunnel under mortar with a screwdriver um <laughs> and the programmer says don't worry about it i've got it much much worse than you <laughs> and then he gives us an analogy he says imagine joining an engineering team and you have all these great ideas um you come out of it school um, inspired by a world of a clean, beautiful design, awe-inspiring and aesthetic unity of purpose, economy and strength. You know, you really want to go out there and build beautiful, efficient things. And you start by meeting Mary, the project leader, and she introduces you to Fred, 
after you get through 15 security checks installed by Dave because Dave had his sweater stolen off his desk at once and never again. Now, Fred only works in wood, so you ask why he's involved with this bridge construction since it's supposed to allow rush hour traffic full of cars. Uh -huh. um, don't worry, says Mary, Fred's going to handle the walkways. What walkways? Well, Fred made a good case for the walkways and they're going to add to the bridge's appeal. Um, and so it goes on and on about how um, there are all these people who do really particular things and they just kind of patch together something. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's this guy called Phil. No one knows what he does, but he's full of synergy and upper management likes him. So they just leave him to it. Um, Sarah has found several bleeding edge paving techniques and wants to work them into the bridge design. And, you know, just goes on and on and on all these people. And then finally, the bridge was designed as, as a suspension bridge, but no one actually knew how to build a suspension bridge. So they got halfway through and then just added extra support columns to keep the thing standing. <laughs> but they left the suspension cables because they're still kind of holding up parts of the bridge. Only no one knows which parts, but they're probably quite important. And then basically... That is the analogy for every bit of software out there. That is, is that uh, it's just this whole complex is, mess of stuff which is shoved together by, by by people who have different ideas about programming and who are trying to do different things and, and don't really have a coherent plan about how it should be done. That, that is absolutely beautiful, honestly, because I, I mean, the way you're describing that, I'm like, oh, this sounds like some of the stuff that I just installed this past week. <laughs> and like, yeah. And it happens. And yeah. it, there's sometimes dirty ways of doing things. And, and like like when, when we had put Friendica in there's it literally says this is a dirty way to get the chat feature inside and it's mm. not it's not like the code in friendica's code is actually programmed so you can actually make use of the the the, the software it just throws in the software and kind of like does an iframe and says here it is <laughs> and there you go yeah and, and you know so it's so so it's basically saying so many things are built like this where someone's exploited a bug mm -hmm. and, and then someone comes along and helpfully fixes the bug and then the exploit doesn't work anymore. And there's so many things which are contingent on that particular bug exploit that it all, you know, a whole raft of things collapse. And you as the person who's the systems administrator or the person who's running the website or whatever it is, doesn't actually know what's happened. Yeah. Because you didn't change anything, you didn't break anything. In fact, if anything happened, you fixed something because you, you know, you did an upgrade and, and fixed a bug. But suddenly, you know, you have to spend all this time, um, uh, you know, trying to figure out what the problem is. And the, you know, he, he, the, the writer gives the analogy of, of basically spending six hours trying to figure out what's gone wrong. And that's the, the and, you're able to do that because you're an excellent programmer. Mm -hmm. And if you were a shit programmer, you'd be fired because you'd no, no idea what's happened. Oh, and he says, yeah, that's what writing software is like that. Now imagine the internet, mm -hmm. which is its own special hellscape mm -hmm. because it's even worse because everything, you know, at least if you're running software on your own computer, it is to some extent uh, isolated from other software. But suddenly on the internet, everything's trying to communicate with, with everything else. Mm -hmm. And so you just have this complete mess of things together. And I kind of like the way that, you know, in, in the final paragraph, the writer goes back to the conversation he's having with his friend, the manual laborer, and he says, so no, I'm not required to be able to lift objects weighing up to 50 pounds. I traded that for the opportunity to trim Satan's pubic hair while it lines <laughs> out of my open skull. So a few bits of the internet will continue to work for a few more days. <laughs> there's there's so many great little things I want to say to this because uh, there there are not, I'm I'm involved with a lot of people who actually do programming and I mean I look at code but I can't uh, say that I'm a programmer and DKG from May first yeah. had said one of the best I think he had said this is one of the best lines I ever heard which is when you when you're working on something 
um, and then you put it off and you come back to it later, it's it's the present you trying to figure out what the past you was trying to do. So like uh-huh. you end up having these multiple multiple conversations with yourself because you, like and this happens to me too because I'll I'll install some software and I couldn't get it to work. I'll take some notes but it wouldn't be like great thorough notes. So then like mm. months later I'll go back to it and I'll look at this and like what the fuck was I thinking? I can't figure out what the hell I was thinking. And I, you spend time mm. sitting there and that's part of your your discussions and and it might even explain why many people who do programming are not so social all the time. It's because they end up having conversations with themselves. Well, <laughs> well yeah, stuff. I mean this article basically says everyone who's a programmer is going slowly mad. Yeah, ser- seriously. And and a lot of the times are like and I I mean I've done debugging with with Ross from Mayfirst on a lot of different things that have gone on gone on the site. And we'll be looking at something over and over again. And suddenly, like, we'll spend hours trying to debug something. And then it's, like, the simplest fucking thing. And you're like, God damn it. How did we not see this? And even most advanced tech people, programmers, will run into the same thing. It's just, like, you sometimes just miss it. And and it's just, like, something really small. And you're like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess one of the other things the article says is that human beings are actually not massively good at logic. I mean, we're kind of good at sort of leaps of inspiration and um, jumping around with ideas, but sort of long chains of logic are actually not something which comes to us naturally. But to work in the programming world, you that's how it's all structured with this, this logic where there's strings of contingency, which are really, really long. And if you just like miss one little bit of it, like the whole thing can just fall apart. Yeah, yeah. And I mean... It's it's sometimes simple stuff too. Like like right in the, like in the last week, I've been revisiting StatusNet, which is now GNU Social, um, mm-hmm. and and I'm looking at some of the plugins, and some of them are documented with a readme file, but sometimes the readme files are not well documented. But sometimes the code itself, the PHP file that runs something, actually has better documentation in it. And and so I've gotten into the habit of actually looking at the code file first before I even look at the readme file, just to see if mm-hmm. there's explanation of, hey, this is what this part's supposed to do. And it really does mm-hmm. come down to really good documentation. And there are different places where things are done better. But the the thing, the, I'm going to kind of segue here a little bit into Heartbleed because mm-hmm. yep. Heart, Heartbleed dealt specifically with OpenSSL, which was a, a package that had the flaw in it. Uh, now, this flaw existed in at least within Debian in their most recent stable edition. It didn't exist in the previous one uh, because mm-hmm. the coding was changed. Now, a lot of people had gone out and said that, well, this is a reason why proprietary development is better, which I would say there's no fucking way proprietary development is better because how would we ever know? Because that code is all held in somebody's freaking server that nobody else can get access to to mm-hmm. review. And in this case, even though the, the security flaw was very big and very challenging to, to figure out how to resolve – and that there's the possibility of many things that exploited it, including the NSA, who did exploit it uh, and not raised awareness about it because, you know, their interest is making sure they can continuously take these flaws and, and make use of it. Uh, but mm-hmm. but because the code was publicly available, other people were – and that's how it happened. Other people were able to figure out, oh, fuck, there's a problem here. And the, as, a, as most of the media was out there, it was like two-thirds of the internet relies on this. So there was a tremendous amount of security flaws, but we don't ever know about the proprietary side if there had been these security flaws and whether they'd be made aware of if they happened to happen. So mm-hmm. it, it, mm-hmm. a, lot of, a lot of people are saying, oh, this, this is going to hurt free software. I'm like, no, this helps free software because it identifies that, hey, we know we're not perfect. And as this article even extends, we're kind of crazy. <laughs> and on top of it, 
there's different ways of building things and that happens based on people's mm. experiences and part of that is a challenge it's a big challenge because even a lot of the 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 younger coders coming out of college and and younger ones don't have the the experiences of dealing with security flaws i'm not saying that they're responsible mm. for this but their experiences with it aren't as 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 uh I guess deep as a lot of the folks that are, are on the security teams, like within Debian and things like that, uh, that are trying to make sure these things are resolved. Mm. Um, so they, there's, it's a lot of, you know, publish, get it done, get it up and go. And security might not mm -hmm. be the, the most important part of it. Uh, you see this a lot, I think in Ruby development, to be honest. Um, but, mm -hmm. and I just don't like Ruby on a personal note. <laughs> um, but, uh, but no, it's, it's just really interesting because the, the Heartbleed situation made things, it, it was, it's very interesting because of the way it, it was, um, <laughs> a challenge because it, we, we had done this recently with USI and cyber unions of putting, um, them on an SSL certificate, which means that when you visit the site, it's HTTPS, which says that I am who I am. Um, and this is my credentials to prove that's who I am. That's basically what, what happens with HTTPS. It's, it's a way of securingly saying that this is who you are as a website. Mm -hmm. uh, and part of the OpenSSL flaw was that your, your security connection was not, it wasn't as secure uh, because of this, this flaw. But they also needed to figure out if you, if I was visiting the web, the, in order for them to get any information from this, uh, or part of it was uh, mm -hmm. that they would have to know where I am connecting to the internet from because that's where they can make the 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 man in the middle type interaction. Uh, but if they don't know where I'm connecting, if I'm not in the same coffee shop as them or on the same network or they're not probing my network, then it's much harder for them to actually ex exploit it. But it's exploitable, and that was the concern: is that it, it could it could get the mm -hmm. credentials that you're using to secure your connection and utilize that down the road. And that's more or less, I believe, what the NSA had actually done. Uh, and one of the, mm -hmm. there was, I, I'm going to have to get a link to it. Uh, the, the, one of the people link talks was actually about this recently with a, a member from the May 1st support team, as well as uh, a member from the national lawyers guild in the U S uh, that did a talk on it. And, uh, I'll post a link to that in, in our notes, just so you guys, you all can get a much thorough understanding of what they were explaining and the concerns about it as well. Um, there, it was a little bit more techie, I think, on that side, uh, but mm -hmm. trying to be less techie as well. So there's there's kind of a mix of both in that in that conversation. Uh, but yeah, so, but I'm so, I'm still enamored by this uh, this article. I really like it because it really does explain, <laughs> like, oh, we're gonna start building a bridge that's part suspension, part not, and we don't know what's supporting what until you take some code out, and all of a sudden you realize the whole thing fucking falls apart. You're like, oh god damn it. <laughs> And how often? <laughs> I mean, it, it's happened to me a number of times where I've tried to tweak the code and and just with my limited skills and I've fucked it up. I'm like, oh god. But you know, I also am the type that that abides by the learning process, which would not work well in construction. Um, of I, I learn most well with uh, programming when I fuck something up. So if I don't break it, then I'm not mm. going to learn from it. Uh, and <laughs> yeah. If I was in construction, we would not have many survivors <laughs> because it would be a lot of that. Oh, <laughs> uh, but yeah. So, well, that's a good article, and and I want to I definitely hope everybody reads it. It's uh, definitely a good piece. Oh, <laughs> uh, so well, yeah. Um, I don't know where else to go on tech on that one though because that that's uh pretty good. <laughs> programming yeah, sucks. yeah well it's work it's workers day so let's talk about workers oh yeah i guess we should get to that huh you know the 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 uh the pay's not great but the work is hard 
Are you up for it? Bernard, Bernard, Bernard. Yeah, so, so it's, it's, it's May 1st, it's Workers' Day, and we've spoken about this before. We've done Workers' Day, May 1st shows before, and we've spoken about Haymarket and the origins of May Day and what it's about. But basically, it's Christmas Day for communists, and uh, it's the day that we celebrate class struggle and we celebrate uh, the resilience of the people's movement and of uh, everything that we've managed to achieve, despite the fact that uh, um, we have so much um, against us. We have, mm-hmm. you know, powerful people who are well armed against us but uh, you know they got the guns but we got the numbers and uh, yeah we, we've managed to we've managed to keep some stuff together and we managed to fight back and that's what today is a celebration of hmm. i would imagine that may day in communist nations is is uh, a big traditional thing too i mean i know it's a huge thing here in mexico city uh, but you, you'd figure that it would be big in. Well, I guess I, we can't call China communist anymore, can we? No, I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, real communist, kind of with a small C, rather than. But never mind. We won't have that. Yeah, yeah, but, but no, that may may they. Uh, I guess this is we're, we're coming. This is our third year. I think we missed our thir- three year anniversary, by the way. Um, uh, yeah, we did. <laughs> but yeah. uh, three years, eighty six episodes. We we should be doing better than that. Uh, but. Um, but yeah, so what is actually going on in formerly communist China? Uh, because I feel like well, that's um, where a lot is going on. Yeah, it's, yeah, there's a lot of really interesting stuff that's been going on. And uh, it's something that we have been paying attention to at USI. Because basically since late last year, and particularly the beginning of this year, we, we, we got a, um, like a, a coordinator based in, based in China. And we started to... Um, translate a lot of our articles into Chinese and also get uh, Chinese stuff translated into English and opened up an account on Sino Weibo, which is kind of the Chinese Twitter, and essentially try to get some back and forward about what's going on. So we've been watching the the labor disputes, and particularly we've been working with an organization called China Labor Bulletin, who reports on a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just really interesting, the both the extent of the disputes and and also kind of how it's reconfiguring the way uh, uh, Chinese society is organized. So right now there's a really big dispute. It's kind of winding down at the moment. It was kind of, you know, it was really huge a bit more than a week ago. Um, but it's it, it was the biggest strike in China's history. And it was at a, a place called Yu Yuan. And it was um, at, a, at a massive factory making shoes uh, for Adidas and Nike and, and other companies. Uh, and uh, 40,000 workers went on strike. Wow. And it was, a, it was a wildcat strike. So this wasn't organized by any official trade union. This was um, workers organizing on, on something called, called QQ. It's basically a, a chatting tool like WhatsApp. That, you know, people use WhatsApp in, in Western countries, same kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, organized this mass wildcat strike um, through, um, through, through using new technology, which is really interesting and really exciting, both the fact that workers are wildcatting and secondly, the fact that people are using technology to organize in the way that they haven't before. I mean, for, for what we do, for what uh, you and I do, Stephen, I think that that is quite significant. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but in the context of that, it's also worth mentioning uh, another dispute which happened um, just, a, I guess, about a month ago. And that is um, Walmart wanted to shut down a store in a place called uh, Chang, Changmi. And it, it was, from their perspective, no big deal. It's not a particularly important place. Uh, it was a store that's underperforming. Um, 
they have shut down stores in similar places before and there's been no particular fuss. Um, but it was different this time. And basically what they do is, you know, shut the store down and say to the workers, sorry, guys, you know, it's all over, take it or leave it. And this time the workers didn't stand for it. And what happened was something quite interesting. And that is that um, they, like a lot of companies in China, there are official unions in there. So this is the, you know, the, the, the official Chinese union movement, which is a wing of the Chinese government. And up to now, has not really done very much to support striking workers. So, you know, like in the shoe factory that's been on strike, it wasn't the official unions, it was the workers wildcatting. Mm -hmm. What happened in the Walmart store was that a local shop steward was elected who was kind of a supermarket cashier. And when Walmart uh, said they were shutting the store down, he stood up and decided that he is going to speak for the workers and not speak for... Um, the sort of union officials and for the state and for the communist party and all that kind of thing. And, you know, it was one of few instances where a local union activist from the official union stood up for the workers and then put the official unions in the very difficult position of having to support that strike. And this is leading, is beginning to lead to a bit of a shift in the way the official trade unions are responding um, mm -hmm. because they're getting that kind of pressure from ordinary workers and from ordinary activists. And also the fact that there are these massive wildcat strikes, they suddenly realize, you know, should, what is the point of having trade unions if workers are just going to strike anyway outside of us? So there's beginning to be um, in the official trade union movement a little bit more um, resistance, a little bit more speaking up for workers' rights. Hmm. Also, um, what's happening at the same time politically in China is that until quite recently, China was very much trying to repress workers' rights so that it could uh, essentially offer Western capital really, really, a really cheap workforce. Uh -huh. um, and they've begun to step back away from that a little bit, um, partly because of the pressure which is coming from ordinary workers, but also because they've begun to realize that if workers in China get paid a bit more, it helps China to develop a domestic market and not have a market which is entirely geared towards export. And I think they've done that because of the financial crisis in the West, um, you, you know, has, has hurt them because suddenly the West is buying less product from China. So they've realized there's a need to create a domestic market. And for there to be a domestic market, they need to be Chinese workers who are paid enough of a wage uh, in order to be able to buy goods that are produced in China. So there's this really, really interesting shift that's happening, dynamic shift that's starting with ordinary working people on the ground, taking action and standing up for themselves and feeding all the way up to government policy and is going to affect the way balance of trade plays out in the world. Because there is a long-term upward trend in wages in China. Uh, over the past 10 years, China wages in China have grown steadily. And that means that at some point, they're going to meet Western wages, and it's no longer going to be possible for companies in the West to threaten to outsource to China in order to save money. And, you know, that means that that workers in the West and Chinese workers can get together and work towards a climb to the top rather than, than, than taking part in a race to the bottom. And that's huge. That's significant because that is the main thing that has been used since... Um, the beginning of this phase of globalization, and particularly since the early 80s, there's been this attempt to undermine uh, workers' collective power in the West by playing workers off against, against China. And if Chinese workers begin to 
raise their conditions, it really, really helps us to do that for everyone. And we can start putting pressure uh, on places like Bangladesh mm-hmm. um, to to um, allow workers there to organize properly and to start raising conditions there. And, you know, it, it becomes like a really significant fight back. It's something that's more than just symbolic. It's something that has real economic consequences for the way trade is organized in the world. So very interesting and I think very significant. Yeah, no, it is. It. <laughs> It's it's really it's the 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 last place that I think most of the developed world was actually expecting this to be honest because of the the amount of mm-hmm. repression that has happened within China and even like historically most of the strikes that have happened were were against the state because of uh, of back pay not being not occurring while like mm-hmm. private development was going on so it's it's really just absolutely amazing to to see this this taking foot and that on May Day. 2014 we're talking about this uh instead of you know talking mm-hmm. about the, the the demoralizing stages of of labor which is we can still keep talking about of course but um it's more inspiring mm-hmm. to to be speaking about this coming from a country that that was founded on communism at well sort of extended to maoism um and communism mm-hmm. but but never really embraced the the workers which is what we're seeing is that struggle is coming out is the workers really want their voice mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and it's just mm-hmm. yeah i mean there's a whole interesting uh, yeah, I was going to say, I actually wonder about the strategy of the Chinese Communist Party, because if you actually look at what Marx said about communism and capitalism, he said that you can't actually have a communist society until you have a fully developed capitalist society. Mm-hmm. And that some people think that that was the failure of the Soviet Union. They basically tried to um, redistribute poverty because the, the economy hadn't developed yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I almost wonder, I mean... I'm almost beginning to wonder if maybe the Chinese communists were pl- are playing the long game and <laughs> were saying, you know, we need to allow capitalism to develop up to a certain point and then kind of step back and let workers take control of it. I certainly hope so. <laughs> I mean, I, w- I would like to think that too. I mean, it's it's hard to say, but I the at I'm least, being an optimist here. I know, <laughs> I know. I'm just by, not to be the 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 pessimist. It's just I go back to my international labor law, labor movement classes of. And hearing about specifically 1982 mm. in China when the, the occurrence of, of basically diminishing the, the communist state uh, and d- diminishing the communist power and bringing in capitalism and neoliberalism to a certain extent. Although the irony right now is in the economic turmoil mm-hmm. that we've had in the last like five years that China actually started doing Keynesian model of in- internal investment into the country. Uh, but uh it's i mean i would like to think that but i mean the same critique was made of 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 soviet russia because they went from a czar to to communism they never well one could argue that they never had the the capitalist structures although there were elements of it uh Mm. it was never fully Mm. capitalist state like like the uk and and the united states are uh and so there's some of that criticisms of that too of of what the soviet communism was like Mm -hmm. uh but it 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 could be possible i mean hell maybe putin's trying to do that now i have no idea (laughs) i mean (laughs) (laughs) i don't usually trust the kgb but you know (laughs) um but yeah it could be the long game it could be the long game we'll have to see i mean i i know there's actually i'm sorry to to segue a little bit off of it but there was a there's an actual uh when uh the olympics are going on in in russia uh this past year the the daily show had done uh investigation into russia's social climate and what it's like and it's it's very like 1950s like in the united states of being very pr- pushing for family promotion and and expanding the family and making it larger families and mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. 
it just it makes me wonder if they're trying to get that kind of economic spur of you know growth and family growth mm-hmm. and everything else and uh and then try to create communism to, or capitalism so we can then defeat it i don't know <laughs> i we have pipe dreams i guess about this huh <laughs> yeah it can happen yep. damn it it'll happen in our lifetime hopefully well, lifetimes are not long though <laughs> well you know it's it's a i think today's the appropriate day to be um thinking about well dreaming about this stuff yeah so, yeah um, certainly yeah good <laughs> well i think that that's a good uh, labor section there for us um i think it gives us plenty to think about uh i mm-hmm. i think we should jump into feedback okay help will come whenever it's needed cheer my comrades cheer no perfect sign to hear billy bragg saying comrades <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what feedback do we have this week? <laughs> do we have any feedback? I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I, I haven't heard anything specifically. Uh, oh, actually, you know what? I am gonna say uh, is there's actually uh, you highlighted mm-hmm. this uh, by mistake uh, when you were having issues with the HTTPS in the podcast for USI. I realized that we were having the same problem mm-hmm. with the cyber unions. Uh, so uh, wow, that's why no one's been listening to us. Yeah. Um, so it actually, uh, for all those that are listening to the show, and if you can tell others that are that you know are listening to the show uh, or haven't seen this, um, there was actually feedback I got on that almost the same day that you had mentioned it uh, from, I think it was Doug, that said that he was not able to receive our podcast because it was HTTP, HTTPS, and there are a lot of podcast catchers out there that do not actually um, work with, mm. with HTTPS, so they needed HTTP. Uh, so I actually changed it so that that mm. should exist now. If you do have problems with it, do let us know. Uh, it's it's something that I uh, hope is resolved and would explain um, at least some of the numbers being a little bit lower because uh, I think before I did the HTTP to HTTPS change, um, there were a much larger amount of downloads, and then I had noticed that they were down. <laughs> mm. um, so I think mm. I think that was our resolution. Um, but uh, yeah, other than that, I uh, mm-hmm. don't have any other specific feedback except no. I think that's it. <laughs> that is all. If you have any cool. other problems, all right. Well, that was a show. Yeah, Done. there we go. How about that? All right, good. See you all um, when we record again, which is somewhat two weekishy, <laughs> if that's a word. <laughs> Uh, so see you all later visit us at cyberunions.org follow us on twitter and identica at cyberunions or on reddit slash r slash cyberunions you can also email us feedback or grievance at cyberunions.org thank you for listening